Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Geese Fit Podcast. The streak continues for the Wisconsin men's basketball team. Yes, that makes it six in a row for the Badgers coming off that Sunday win at the Kohl Center against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. A thriller back and forth, so we'll recap that. We'll get into the Badgers, you know, how it looks for the you know March Madness and Big Ten Tournament because things are looking very much up in regards to the March Madness stuff. And then we'll preview the following game against the Northwestern Wildcats. Should be another winnable one for the Badgers to keep that streak going and keep improving on their stock as they head to the vital games of March. And then in the back half of the show, we're going to get into some football talk, kind of put a bow on this 2019-20 you know, season overview that we've been doing. We're going to get into some coaching staff stuff, talk about what we thought went well with the coaching staff and the team overall, kind of how everything went from there, and then we'll do some football cleanup stuff. There's some things to touch on in that to some recruiting stuff and some coaching staff stuff. So plenty to get to as the season rolls on, and that'll kind of wrap up, again, the uh, 2019 season. And then as we go forward with spring ball just around the corner, we'll get more into 2020 season, focus on that. The past is in the past, so we'll kind of put a bow and a wrap on that and get into a next season because it's going to be here before we know it. But first, Matt, how you doing tonight? Doing fantastic, ready to talk a little basketball. That was such a big win. It was ugly, but they got the W. And then, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in terms of Wisconsin news. You had the combine just wrap is just wrapping up, and then we've got uh, coaching stuff coming up, big junior day. So it was just kind of a jam-packed uh, episode, I'm guessing, here. How are you doing? I'm good, yeah. Plenty to talk about. It seems like the football news never really slows down, and the basketball news keeps to – you know, starts keeps going and, and rolling on, and thankfully it's positive news with this last you know six game winning streak. So plenty to get to, but we'll start with the basketball stuff. The revenge tour is complete. You know, the Badgers had three losses uh, against Purdue, Rutgers, and Minnesota away from home. They came back and uh, with their home battles against those three, uh, brought home a W. This game uh, on Sunday afternoon was back and forth uh, throughout pretty much the whole thing. Came down to the last minute. You know, guys hitting clutch shots. In, those, in that final minute to go back and forth. Uh, really just a great game, you know, a, a lot of fun to watch. Two rivals, you could feel uh, the energy of the Cole Center a little bit more. Uh, so just an overall game uh, that was really entertaining uh, for both fan bases. Thankfully, the Badgers were, cut, were able to come away with a huge home victory. So, Matt, what did you make of uh, the Badgers early on in that game? It, it was a little slow to start. Both teams were kind of feeling things out, not shooting the best, but uh, the early portions of that game – uh, what did you make of that and, and how that rolled on? Yeah, no, I mean, the Badgers definitely came out a little flat. That was a that was a tough start. Minnesota kind of punched them in the mouth. Um, and, you know, Minnesota at times was able to do what they wanted on the offensive end with uh, Daniel Aturu, who's a very, very talented player. I mean, he's a, he's an NBA body. Like, he's a guy who, who's going to have an opportunity in the league. Um, and then you saw um, – Carr, Marcus Carr, also kind of going off on their two-man game. They did a really good job off of off the screen and roll, but and so Wisconsin struggled on the defensive end with that 
most of the night, but Wisconsin was just gritty and were able to do just just enough to get the get the win. It it never kind of was one of those where you, you felt always comfortable at any time. I, I know they at one point got out to a 12-point lead, and that quickly switched when uh, Minnesota was able to go on a 12-0 run of their own. So the, the Badgers just um, just kind of gutted it out. They shot decent from three-point in the second half, and that was a big reason for them um, ending up pulling out that W while Minnesota really struggled from the free-throw line. Yes, they did. And the game before that uh, Badger game in the Nebraska – Northwestern game, there were some struggling free-throw shooters as well. So not a pretty day uh, from the charity stripe for any team in the Big Ten. But really this game was, was just, uh, like like you mentioned, a slow to start. Minnesota was, was doing a lot of things, getting good shots uh, you know, from their star players, guys that are probably you know first, second, or third team all-conference, both in Oturu and Carr, excellent players that were able to come out and get theirs. Uh, but the Badgers just did enough, especially the first half, to hang around. You know, shots weren't falling as consistently as they have been in the previous five wins for the Badgers. But they did enough, and to go into half up three, I think, was, was pretty telling of the game that it was ugly back and forth at times, but the Badgers were able to get knock down enough shots, make enough defensive stops to, to hang around and get a lead at the halftime. And then the second half, things just kind of flipped, you know. Shots started to fall. People were making you know quality passes, finding the open guy, more so what we've saw in the you know these previous five games, and you talked about it already. The 12-0 run, it seemed like the Badgers were kind of starting to put it away, separate themselves, and then Minnesota quickly clamored back with that run to tie the game, and then from there it was just kind of back and forth the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean it was seesawing back and forth like you said, just going. Um, but I, I thought really Wisconsin played nicely down the stretch. Uh, you know, we've seen at times Wisconsin struggle uh, at the end of the games. I thought Greg Gard, this might have been his best coach game of the year. I think this team, like you said, came out flat, really struggled at times. The shots weren't falling. This wasn't their night. But at the same time, uh, he, he coached them and helped them put it in a place where they, they could get a win. They, he had a couple good timeouts later in the game um, that really helped change the momentum. Minnesota would kind of get on a little run. He'd call a timeout, you know, and then he'd put in a nice set play. That one where um, it, Brevin Pritzel is actually the one who, who called for it, um, where, where it was the backdoor cut to Aline Ford was a thing of beauty. That was huge. That really ignited the crowd, got everybody back into it, and it was just such a huge play that they needed. Um, and then to later on, uh, that scramble, that scramble drill that Brad Davison created, and uh, led to the Brevin Pritzel uh, three-pointer. Th- those two plays were, were just so monumental in that game after you could just see every time there uh, Minnesota was able to go down and just get a shot in the lane. They were just able to get in there, and, and they were uh, making their hay down there. But Wisconsin was able to hit some clutch shots. Brevin Pritzel was a really nice game. Uh, you know, he's going to be having his senior day next uh, or on Wednesday. So that's He's been playing his best basketball probably of his career here down the stretch, and it's exciting for them to get another win, and it's huge for their Big Ten title hopes. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's ginormous with Michigan State's win uh, at Maryland this past weekend as well. Things get even more tightly. You could see a you know five five way tie at the top of the Big Ten with the way things could shake out. So lots of stuff uh, still to be decided in the Big Ten Conference, but I love that you, you brought up that Greg Gard's uh, you know, one of his better coach game because I completely agree with you. I thought he, he was excellent in the timeouts, very timely, 
manage his team well. I think he read his guys' emotions and saying, you know what, we maybe not are going to play our best game today. Um, so I've got to you know, up my game as a coach, get these guys in the right situations to, to find open shots, to knock things down. Because the last five games, now granted, Greg Gard has been coaching great you know, this, this last stretch here, but these last five games, things have kind of just clicked for this team. Um, not saying that it's been easy by any means, but the shots have fallen. They've moved the ball well. Everything looked crisp in the, in the other five wins. Versus this one, it was a little bit more of a struggle, but I think Greg Gard noticed that, saw that, and, and put his guys in a position to succeed when maybe they didn't have their A game, maybe they had their B game. But with a quality coach that knows that and can recognize that and get you in the right situation, that can make all the difference. And I think in a big way that, that helped on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and I think another big reason was the crowd. You you had mentioned it early on that the the Cole Center was was rocking. It was it was completely full. Um, you know there was there was very few open seats throughout the game, and, and it was loud. The student section was really into it. Um, you know there was there was still times where it was definitely quiet when Minnesota went on their big run, and, and that that happens in any basketball arena, but. It, it was it was really something that the the players really fed off of that crowd and were were involved with the game more than we've seen uh, late. I know the the crowd is uh, taking its heat on uh, the, on Twitter for kind of some of the, what we've seen, you know, especially the student section. Um, they've gotten a pretty bad rep, but um, we we saw it in full force. And, and I think that if that game wasn't uh, played in a packed Kohl Center, I don't think the Badgers win that game um, because it did make a difference. You, you saw guys like Micah Potter and Aleem Ford really trying to pump up the crowd. You saw Brad Davison, you know, um, trying to pump up the crowd. So th- this team was definitely in tune with the crowd and, and wanting to um, try to get those ebbs and flows flowing their way. They did, and you know you got to give credit to the crowd when they when they have a good game because there has been a lot of heat on them. But the crowd was certainly into it. Obviously, when you've got your rival in there uh, coming down the stretch on a you know five game win streak, that's going to up the crowd in general. But I think the overall picture of Wisconsin really you know being into it, the fans being into it you know, from the get go. Granted, there were some ebbs and flows and swings where maybe things got quiet, but. The Badgers did enough in terms of, you mentioned the, the Brevin Pritzel 3, which was huge. You just kind of saw that develop. The Aleem Ford cutback was a thing of beauty that really gets you excited. And, you know, as from a basketball standpoint of just seeing quality basketball play, but also huge shots and huge moments that, that really brought the Cole Center to life. And I know it's late, but the home record has, has been impeccable. So you got to give credit to the fans in that one. Let's talk about some stats a little bit. And the one – each game for the Badgers over this last few game winning streak, it's been one guy having a big game. Demetrius Trice really finding them. You know, he had the big game at Michigan. Uh, this Minnesota game was Brad Davis, and he put in 20. Pritzel had 15. One guy though that struggled over these last few games has been Nate Reavers. Uh, four points against Michigan, two points against uh, Minnesota, or sorry, six points against Minnesota. He put a couple in a little later. Um, What's kind of been going on with him? I know other guys have been playing well, so maybe it hasn't been noticed, but Reavers has kind of been struggling, and if he gets his game back, that just brings another weapon. But what have you seen from, from Nate Reavers over these last you know few game stretches? I think it's really been just foul troubles. He's been mm-hmm. he's been really battling fouls here these past few games. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty telling. He's usually a guy who's averaging closer to 30, um, 30 plus minutes a game, and he, and he only played in twenty in this game. And and really, I while they won't show up in the stat sheet, um, he had such a 
such a big defensive stop there on Daniel Oturu yeah. late in the game. Reavers, Reavers is never going to go down as one of the, the biggest or strongest players in the Big Ten at that, you know, forward center type position, but but he really held his own, went back down. He he really just held like, strong like a tree trunk and, and wouldn't let Oturu push him around. Who And Oturu is, is a specimen. The dude yeah. was throwing his weight around most of the game and able to dictate that. So uh, Reavers just held his own, arms straight up and got the block, and then then uh, Pritzel grabbing that board, it was it was one of those things where that is just indicative of team basketball and what this team has really bought into and played well together with is, you know, great guard and these players talk about just the cohesion that they've built. And you can have a guy like Reavers take a back seat in a few games, even though he's your leading scorer, and you've got other guys who pick up the slack. And, you know, Micah Potter was really good on defense for, for most of that game as well. Then he started getting into foul trouble, so he had to go out. But just having both of those guys be in that, that pulley system, to have one of them out on the court at a time, um, to, to hold their ground and really play some good defense. Uh, and if one guy is able to um, get it going, the other guy um, can take a back seat. But Micah Potter has been re- tremendous offensively. Nate Reavers will get in get in, uh, into a rhythm. I, I think his, his three-point shot hasn't been there. Um, as well, but, but really, I think it's just a matter of getting out of rhythm because of early foul trouble, and then not really being able to to find your your place in the game. Yeah, that's really hard because you you're going in and out, you're, you're being cautious on one defensive end. I think that maybe gets into your head a little bit when you're down on the offensive end. You don't want to pick up an offensive foul either and and go back to the bench. So that can certainly psychologically play a big impact. So. Hopefully, Reavers can keep out of that foul trouble and work his way into the game. But like you mentioned already, it didn't – not that it didn't matter because you want Nate Reavers on the floor and scoring the basketball. He's a When he's clicking, he's one of your top scoring threats. But thankfully, you've had other guys step up over the course of you know this little streak here that have put together you know, 20, 15-point games. Everybody that is in the rotation played pretty well on Sunday, Aleem Ford had 10 points, but had six rebounds. Dimitri Trice didn't score the ball all that much, but he had six rebounds and six assists, had a huge pass late uh, to find Ford. So guys are stepping up around him. So it, in a way, it's a little bit different from last year's team where you relied on one guy heavily. This year you've got five, six guys that are really contributing, and it allows for one guy that maybe doesn't have his best game to, you know, take a step back, be be a workhorse on the defensive end against one of the top bigs in the Big Ten, and other guys can pick up the slack on the offensive end. So it's impressive to see, and I think it's really what's elevated this team, you know, this 2019-20 team up from last year's team is that you have five, six guys that can contribute in a lot of different ways and in turn, you know, bring you quality basketball that is that is pretty team-oriented. Yeah, I mean they've got three they've got three guys in double figures with Nate Reavers, Micah Potter, and Brad Davison all averaging ten points or more, and then you've got Trice at nine point nine. So it's just, they've essentially got uh, four guys in double figures nightly, and and it's and it's a huge benefit for this team. It's what they envisioned coming into the year, what they really wanted to strive for, and and then you've got guys like Brevin Pritzel and Aleem Ford who are each averaging over eight points a game as well. So. They're getting it from a lot of different places. Every Any given night, one of these dudes can pop off, and that's what you need uh, when you get into a tournament where you might not have your shot. You might not have your shot this night, but you know the guy next to you is going to be able to and that you can turn to one another and, and make those plays. Absolutely. 
Well, that brings us to our next contest, which is, again, at home uh, on Wednesday evening against Northwestern. Bottom of the Big Ten for the Wildcats, so 7-21 and overall record. I don't think this should be a game that's anywhere close, but you never know in this conference. But at home against the last team of the Big Ten, you've got to feel comfortable. But anything to look for in Northwestern, anything to panic about, or should this be a, an easy W for the Badgers? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's always stuff you can glean from a game like this. I would hope that the Badgers can can get back to shooting a little bit better. Um, you know, they didn't shoot absolutely terrible in the game. Um, in the second half, they they uh, shot a little bit better at 44% and were 50% from three-point uh, three point area. But I, I think if they could come out a little quicker, um, you know, mm-hmm. now they're ranked 24th, so they, they're, they're on people's radar. They're moving up the seating. Um, but it, just for them to kind of get back to a rhythm in, in the in scoring would would be nice. I thought Brad Davison. It was great to see him kind of get back in in um, continue his hot start. Um, you know, after his Nebraska game, and then also in this one. So I, I think that was really good, and to see him bounce back. So it would be nice to see Nate Reavers kind of bounce back, like you were saying as well, or a guy like Tyra Wall, who is who has really kind of struggled. Um, finding his footing now with uh, the emergence of how Aleem Ford has been playing, uh, averaging over 30 minutes a game now. Yeah, I agree with you. And the nice thing about this game is that it is senior night. So anytime you're late in the season, you know, taking on a team that's literally you know, the last in the conference, it might be something that you could overlook. But I don't think you're going to overlook that you know, in your final game for some guys in the Cole Center. Uh, Pritzel especially, you're going to have, I think you're going to have a full team-focused effort, and you're not going to be overlooking a team like Northwestern when you're at home uh, for such a special night like that, because I know Senior Day, maybe to fans, isn't something that um, is huge. Obviously, you show your appreciation, but for, for these guys, both on the football field and in the basketball court, this is their final game at a special place like the Cole Center. So I think, thankfully for them, they'll have that focus on them. I know it's, things can get a little weird with the, the timing of stuff on Senior Day, but I think overall it'll hopefully help them stay focused. And then, like you mentioned, hopefully get things right uh, with, with Reavers, with some other guys knocking down shots early on, and hopefully you can get maybe work some bench guys into this game since you're taking on such a you know an opponent that's probably packed it in and ready to be done for the season, but at the same time Northwestern can can come out and play spoiler, and then that'll focus you and turn you into a, another big contest on Saturday afternoon against Indiana. So plenty to look for over these next two games as the Badgers try and continue to climb up uh, the rankings that they're back into at number 24, and then the seeding, uh, which I wanted to ask you about earlier this morning. I wrote a a bracketology report. I'm going to write one of those after every game uh, here on out. But as soon as I wrote it, the Badgers were a five seed, which is huge, up from an eight seed last week. So big jump up to a five twelve projected take on Yale. And then later this afternoon, the Badgers, uh, when they released the top sixteen seeds, Wisconsin was right in there as a four seed. So really big progression over this last week. What do you make of that? I mean, I think it's great. I think it really would help a team like Wisconsin who. We've seen this team struggle at times this year against teams that are pretty good. And so if you end up having to take on a team that you're unfamiliar with, you know, they didn't have a tremendous out-of-conference record. They struggled with some mid-major teams. It's going to be a lot better placement if you're a, a four-seed or or a five-seed. We're anywhere in that range compared to, hey, we're, we're a, a seven, eight, nine, where you're going to be having to take on a team who's similarly talented and, and then have to go up against one of the behemoths uh, uh, at top 
the uh, the seating. So I think it's really huge. I think it's pretty funny that Lenardi keeps trying to mess with you in your writing your article, but uh, you know it's 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 nice to see Wisconsin starting to get recognized um, and, and kind of catapulting up here. Um, the six game winning streak is a big reason why. Yeah, it is, and I think you would more than you know with this team where it was two and a half months ago to to be a four or five seed. I think you take that all day. Uh, I I don't know if if you can really complain about any matchups if you're a four and five. You know, any anything you can do to literally five days ago be on the seven line and have to take on a two seed right away if you win a game versus taking on a five seed if you win that game. Granted, uh, the projection says the Oregon Ducks, which I do not want to do that again. It seems like every year this basketball team has taken on Oregon and this football team is all too familiar with them. So, but a, a four seed or even a five, I, I think a five is probably where they'll end up falling. But if you could get up to that four line, it would be huge. And it, the matchups play out so much better uh, over that game because you're not getting a Baylor or a Kansas in the, in the round of 32. So it's really exciting and kind of surprising, but at the same time, the way they played over this last month and a half, not really. So, Yeah, I mean, if you look back to kind of how this team started at the beginning of the year and you look at their non-conference, kind of like what I was alluding to, where, where they started off, you know, losing their very first game in overtime, but then having that streak of three straight losses against Richmond, New Mexico, and and NC State, it's it's really nice to see how this team responded from all the adversity and to get where they are now to put themselves in a position where hey you could potentially make a deeper run in the NCAA tournament if if your uh, everything falls nicely for you in terms of matchups and you get hot shooting that they can make a run. Uh, I it's who knows how things would have gone if other. Uh, um, variables wouldn't have gone into effect with Kobe King leaving and, and Helen, um, um, his racial statement. I mean, it's just this team has been through a lot, and it's it's really a kudos to the staff, kudos to the players for sticking together and, and being where they are now. Most definitely, and there's still a long ways to go uh, in this in this schedule. Only two games left for the Badgers and most of the other Big Ten teams, but uh, still plenty to get to, and, and this conference could shake out in, in a lot of different ways. Maryland, uh, who is the top of the conference, has a, a tough run uh, against Rutgers tomorrow night, or t- tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. But And then they've got uh, Michigan at home uh, the following Sunday. So plenty of things to shake out in this conference. Anybody can, can kind of make a run at it this one, and the Badgers still have a favorable schedule in their hand as they go into the Big Ten tournament. So can't wait to watch it. Can't wait to see how it finishes out. Anything else you want to touch on uh, basketball-wise? Other we'll get into some ads, and then we'll talk some football. No, I'm ready to talk some football. All right, guys, after the break, uh, we're going to kick it over to a couple quick ads, and then we'll get into some football stuff. We're going to go over, uh, like I said in the beginning, our coaching overview, so we'll get into what we thought of the staff uh, for this 2019 season, what we look forward to next season, and then that'll put a wrap on our overview and then as we get forward with the football stuff we'll focus on uh next season so a lot of exciting stuff we're going to kick it to a couple quick ads so stay tuned all right it's time to talk some football like i said we're going to put our finishing touches on this 2019 season and then turn our uh, pages to the 2020 season because spring football is right around the corner and we're going to focus more on what we're excited to see with that as the season progresses as you get ever closer but uh, this 2019 season was another exciting one, a 10-win season for the Badgers, 10-4. and four, I think the four losses all sting a little bit for every Badger fan. 
anytime you lose you in college football, it hurts. Uh, but these four losses definitely took a toll on Badger fans across the country, two to Ohio State, and then, of course, that brutal Illinois upset, and then, of course, the Rose Bowl, another tough Rose Bowl loss for the Badgers. So overall, a 10-win season, great. Kind of what we expected for the Badgers. I think both of us had Wisconsin going to the Big Ten title game, uh, hoping I think Rose Bowl was kind of in the back of our minds or our New Year's Six Bowl uh, was in our minds. So expectation-wise, I think they met what we were looking for, but a little, you know, some to be desired. You, you want to maybe beat, you know, Ohio State. I know they're a pretty great uh, program, but you can't lose to Illinois. And then you want to win those Rose Bowls. You don't want to lose those by a point. So, Matt, overall, what did you think of the coaching staff from this season? Anything uh, in particular stand out to you uh, in terms of the staff overall? You know, I thought they did a really good job with developing some of the talent. You, you see a guy like Jack Cohn, who who really at times was floundering um, a season before where he was kind of thrown into action. And, and, you know, you saw him just fumbling the ball, struggling with turnovers, um, you know, not really being able to push the ball downfield. I think John Budmeyer and Joe Rudolph put him in a really nice position to succeed, um, helped him along. You saw a really um, a greater um, understanding of the offense, a pushing of his poise, um, furthered. So I, I thought those two really did a good, nice job on the offense. And then I thought Anoka Brechtefield did a really good job with the defensive line to take a guy um, fresh out of you know high school football in the state of Wisconsin, which is which is improving. It's it's I think it's fairly underrated. But at the same time, it, to take a kid from uh, Wisconsin State football as a true freshman and plug and play him at the nose tackle position for large chunks of the season with Bryson Williams hurt, um, I think was really was really telling about what he can do. And you also saw the development of Matt Henningsen, who, who similar to Cone, just kind of didn't seem like he fit um, all the time and w- wasn't quite ready to be out there. But then you saw him make some splash plays this year. So I think just those, those uh, three really jumped out to me as making a huge impact was – Budmeyer and Rudolph um, at uh, with the development of Cone and then um, Enoki Brechterfield for what he did a- along that defensive line to not only bring in some fresh bodies, guys who are, you know, be starting to restock that pipeline, but then to also get some of these guys in a position to expedite their development. I thought Keanu Benton played exceptional this year for, you know, an 18, 19-year-old out there and really holding his own. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the development of those positions were crucial because the year before, that quarterback position, granted Jack Cohn was thrown into uh, a lot of unfavorable unfavorable positions, kind of thrown back and forth. That's hard to get a rhythm uh, in that regard. And then the defensive line was, was really brutal the season before with you know production. I think it really hurt uh, the linebacking core as their sacks kind of fell off. Uh, so those were two positions that coming into this you know past season, that everyone was looking for, and I think they addressed those. They got better, and and now it's about this next season taking another jump up, and it's going to be important at both of those positions as well, but I think defensive line especially, that's a strength of this team coming up uh, this next season versus this past season. It was a little bit of a question mark, so it's it's kudos to the coaching staff. I don't think coaching staff, especially the assistants and coordinators and guys like that, get enough credit for what they do. Everyone looks to the head man. Uh, but similar to recruiting, those guys are, are the lifeblood of a program where if you don't have quality you know, position coaches, 
guys that are willing to work with these guys one-on-one and, you know, after hours and put the time in and really care for these guys, it can hurt a program. So I think you you really have to give kudos to those guys that, that probably don't, you know, Badger fans probably don't know a lot of the assistants and names like that, but they make a huge impact uh, on a team as they, you know, try and develop. And I think the Badgers have done a great job with that under Paul Crisp, you know, regime, but also before that. They've, they've done a great job of developing players for the last decade plus. Yeah, and I mean, I, another guy I wanted to, to pinpoint, and he, he's not uh, he's not an X's and O's guy, but Ross Kalaji, just what mm-hmm. he's done in the strength program throughout um, fall camp, you heard guys talking about that it was really, they put an emphasis all spring and over the summer to, to put an extra work to get stronger in the trenches so that they could help along the defensive line, the offensive line, um, and the linebackers um, specifically were called out. So I, I think he did a really good job of elevating that and really pushing forward the team um, and making some changes. Because, I mean, I remember back in the day when he was playing D-tackle from in, like, the late 90s, and, and he was such a tremendous player. But you see what he's now doing. Um, as the head strength and conditioning coach, and, and really, I think he is he gets more time with the players than most of the other assistant coaches. So I, I think he's he's the guy. If, if I'm going to hand out an award, he's probably it because you saw some some crazy development by some of the guys. You saw a guy like Zach Vaughn who who really elevated his game as a senior and and really came out firing, or a guy like Chris Orr who who seemed like he added a, a step or three uh, in, in his ability to run after losing some weight and really focusing in. So a lot of that goes on the players, but it's also the strength and conditioning coach or uh, staff and, and also the nutritional staff to help some of those guys make those leaps that they really want to make. Most definitely. That's a good mention on that one. Um, let's. I was going to ask you about maybe weaknesses of the coaching staff. There was, I, I think overall the coaching staff did a good job in you know both on offensive defense. There were some questionable, not so much calls, um, you know some things like that. But is there any certain weakness that you saw from the coaching staff or anything that maybe you want to see improved on as we go into 2020? I, I just think kicking and punting needs to be needs yep. to improve a little bit. Um, you know, I know that. Uh, there's a couple guys that are involved with that. Taylor Mauhoff, as an analyst, is one of the guys involved with it. But I think part of that is is players. Um, so, but part of it is also the development. You see, you saw um, some of the punters. I mean, they've really struggled at that position these past few seasons. And I'm just wanting to see some development there. I know um, Chris Herring is a special teams coach, but I thought actually the return game for kickoff return really um, took a nice leap. They did a good job with there, and I know he's. He's really good at recruiting in-state, um, so I know that we have we have been critical of, of him and, you know, some of the special team stuff that we've seen this year, um, which I, I don't see how you can't be at, at some points, but um, that, that's something I think the kicking game uh, is something that if, if there's something to point to as, as hey, this needs to get improved, I, and, and the coaches know it. They're smart guys. They make hundreds of thousands of dollars for a reason. So they, they understand that they're that they do need to improve um, in that area. But I, I think that's the that's the spot that uh, needs to improve um, for next year and then um, also, also tight ends to hopefully hopefully next mm-hmm. season you can get a guy who can um, another couple guys who can who can help and rotate in with Jake Ferguson. I thought Cormac Sampson did well but Hopefully, one of those youngsters can can make a nice jump to to give themselves a a chance in the two D. 
Yeah, and position coaches will help that as well, you know, development of the coaching staff and getting more comfortable as these guys get reps. That's why spring football is so important as you work towards uh, the fall camp and then, of course, the 2020 season. You know, you need position players like that, especially at that tight end spot where, where Wisconsin likes to work in two, three guys in, in that position in the run game especially. So uh, that's one to watch out for for sure. I think one thing that I not necessarily would criticize about the coaching staff um, but sometimes on the offensive side, I think sometimes the, the, the staff would be pretty aggressive when you talk about things like going for it on fourth down. College football going for it on fourth down was up overall, uh, which made scoring go up. And I think the Badgers adapted to that and went for it on fourth down pretty aggressively. But there were still some times where I think the coaching staff played a little conservative, and I know that's a constant battle between analytics of saying to go for it uh, and push the ball and push the envelope, but at the same time, you want to, you know, with, with Wisconsin, you've got a strong defense. Sometimes uh, the look is to punt it or, or play the field position game. So I would like to see maybe a little bit more aggression on that and consistently across the board because there were some times where Paul Chris came out and going forward on fourth down, I think to that Michigan game, crowd behind him went for it consistently, you know, paid off. But there were sometimes other, you know, in other games where. They just seem to kind of shell up. I don't know. What do you think about something like that? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you have um, every right to criticize that. I think there's times where they they sometimes are over-aggressive and other times where it's like, okay, this is this is the quintessential time to go for it, and, you know, you, out comes the punting unit. So mm-hmm. I agree with you in, in some aspects of that. I, I think um, it's, it's just that, that confidence that comes with it um, really feeds a team. They, they can see, hey – you know, you you go for it on fourth down, or or you make an aggressive play call. It, it, it lets your offense know, hey, we believe you're going to make this play. It also lets your defense know, hey, we believe that if you're put in this crappy situation, you're going to hold it together, and we're not going to get hurt by it. So, I, I think those are the type of moves that can really define a game. And a lot of times, the Badgers uh, push the right buttons. But I would agree with you that there is times, you know, that uh, I, I would like them to to push the envelope a little bit more. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how that kind of changes because this year you don't have you know, Jonathan Taylor. He's an, he's a guy that if you need two, three yards on some of those conversions, that's the guy you you feel pretty confident about turning and handing it to him. But it'll be interesting to see if they are less aggressive without that you know key you know chess piece you know checkmate. We're going to go for it. We've got the best running back in America, uh, or if they're going to play more conservative this next season when. The defense maybe looks more advanced, and you know the numbers, S and P, things like that, coming into the season. This defense is is projected to be pretty strong. It'll be interesting to see if if they push the envelope, knowing that they have that strong back end if they need a, a stop. So I'll be interested to see how, see how that coaching staff kind of develops uh, from that aspect. But anything else, you know, strength and weaknesses wise that you wanted to touch on with the coaching staff? Otherwise, we'll maybe get into some other stuff. Um, who who do you think uh, is like your recruiter of the year basically for for this recruiting staff or uh, this coaching staff? I thought you know they had a lot of guys kind of distribute the wealth. I know Paul Christ really leans on his assistants to to do some of that heavy lifting and to really um, make the call on identifying players. So, but who who do you think did the best job of like closing and really did a good job with recruiting players this past year for the 2020 class? I mean, there's so many names that, that stuck out to me, but unfortunately the guy, the guy that I was going to talk about uh, was the guy that just departed uh, with the Wisconsin football program in Ted Gilmore. So that's going to be one that is going to be tough to replace. There's there's guys from, you know, I think a Jensen Gephardt at the assistant level, 
uh, all the way up to the coordinator level with Joe Rudolph. I think they all do a good job. Uh, so I don't know if other anyone else really stands out to me, but I think overall as a group, Paul Christ has developed guys underneath him and, like you said, leans on him pretty heavily. And then those guys have went out and flourished you know, across the board. So I think there's a lot of guys you could uh, name, but I think that was the one that really stood out to me. So it's, again, why Michigan State threw a big offer at him, uh, because he was a part of that group and a part of that culture that really turned around a position that the Badgers struggled at. Uh, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of good names that you could easily pick. I thought I thought uh, Bob Bostad did a really nice mm-hmm. job. You know, he, yep. he not only recruits the inside linebacker position, but he, he kind of um, is able to hit the Midwest really hard. You know, getting a guy like Jordan Turner, for example, that was a pretty uh, highly contested one. Um, but then another guy is Bobby April. I think anytime you can go out and get a guy like Nick Herbig or go out and get um, Tim Johnson, Cole Dakovich, you know, Malik Reed, some of these guys – they were those two were really involved with Aaron Witt. It's 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 telling for what this team can do and what those guys can do, um, you know. And then you also have um, a, a guy like Mickey Turner who does really nice job in the in the Northeast, getting getting a really talented tight end out of you know a, a yep. really tough battle with Cam Large. I mean, he he really only had one or two guys, but for him to bring in Cam Large, that's almost you know that's almost your your. Uh, carrot on top of the cake. I mean, it was such a big win to, to get him. So I, I think I would have to go with Bob Zolstead and uh, Bobby April, but I think there's a lot of different candidates, like you said, that could could take home that award. Yeah, Turner's a great mention. You know, when you're, when you're going into a living room and you're pitching Wisconsin, granted it's a little bit easier now with the success that the Badgers have had, uh, but with a guy like Cam Large, you're going in there and you're pitching against Georgia and Alabama who are who are the powerhouses in this college football, you know, recruiting. Alabama's got the dynasty. They've they've been successful. Granted, you know, some things have fallen off these last couple of years for them. Uh, but most of that slack has been picked up by their rival in Georgia, and they've picked off some guys from Bama. So to go in there and, and compete with guys like that at a position that Wisconsin uh, has had some success with in tight ends, but also there's there hasn't been any huge names in these last few years. So, I'm I was impressed with that because you can go into a living room and re, you know recruit offensive linemen and running backs all day with the best of them, but tight ends a little bit harder of a position to beat out uh, you know programs like that. So you've got to tip your cap to a lot of these guys, and I think that overall you know having guys that you can name five six names in this you know assistant group that step up and, and are huge contributors that makes uh, it makes or breaks a program like we said earlier. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you, you can see that these guys are really hitting it in 2021 as well mm-hmm. um, with the junior day. Um, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, this past weekend, Wisconsin had a lot of guys uh, in the program, into workout, into do a little you know on-campus stuff. Again, recruiting, everybody who listens to this podcast knows how important recruiting is in that. Uh, some new offers, everything like that. Uh, so junior day, kind of get the guys on campus. Some offers went out, but who did you maybe uh, see from that that, we, that you were kind of impressed with in that uh, Saturday afternoon group? Yeah, I mean, anytime you can get a big collection like they have, Wisconsin has routinely done smaller junior days where it's uh, just a couple guys that come in. This is one of the bigger ones that I, I can remember, both with 2021 and 2022 kids. Um, they had the, the two kids from Ohio that they offered, Rod Moore and Marcus Allen, which both are, are, are highly contested kids but high three stars. And then Daryl Peterson, I think he's the guy that Wisconsin's in a really good 
spot for. He, he's a really talented player. And TJ Bowlers, I mean, if they can get him, that's really that, that front seven would be just getting so dirty if you're bringing in guys like TJ Bowlers to add with, like we said, Herbig and Caden Johnson. And I, I think it's just really telling about how much this uh, program is pushing recruiting. You know, we've we've always heard the narrative that Wisconsin is just very developmental, isn't necessarily going to get the the high four stars. But you you see guys like TJ Bowlers going ahead and tweeting out that Madison's just a different place and that he loves it and and everything. And that's that's really good for your program. Um, you know, obviously you've got to close that battle. You've got to go ahead and win mm-hmm. those bigger bigger battles for a guy like him or a guy like Robert Reagan out of California who who also visited, but. But just to get that positive pub, get some of these guys together with a guy like Hunter Wohler who's already in the fold can yep. can only help you. And, and it's it's big for this program to continue to try to elevate what they're bringing in because that's what it takes to win a national championship. There's a, there's a pretty uh, strong delineation between the teams that can win it and who can't based off of recruiting. And it's, and it's uh, you know, the numbers don't lie. And, and so Wisconsin has been doing a better job of trying to close that gap. It's still there, but, but Wisconsin's uh, trying to fight the fight and are bringing in some really talented players, and hopefully they can close on some of these guys. Yeah, and you see how important these last couple of recruiting classes, you, you think of the hashtags and you know, Badger Boys, things like that. Yeah, Getting these guys on campus and getting themselves familiar uh, with one another and, and starting to make relationships can, can really be beneficial, and I think you've seen that these last couple of years. These recruiting classes are tight-knit guys. Um, and that starts with these junior days, getting guys on campus, meeting each other, getting that awkward phase of getting to know each other out of the way is huge because once you step on campus, you don't, that's one less thing you have to worry about. You can get uh, familiar with each other, you know, even with – and then that you know, allows the guys who are already hard commits. You mentioned Hunter Waller, getting him in there to not necessarily be pitching the guys that are still you know, thinking about it, but it's, it's easy to buy into it when you already see and are talking to guys that are invested in that program. So these junior days are, are really important, and it's exciting to see uh, what can come, you know, from, from these days of getting these guys on campus and seeing Madison for what it was because it's a, it was a beautiful weekend uh, to be in be at Madison and, and get a feel for the culture this past, uh, you know, Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely helpful when those guys are in town and they're seeing a packed coal center for the Minnesota game and um, and how, how much uh, that – atmosphere was going on because that's that's the those, that's the fan base that they're hoping to play in front of for um, years to come so it, it's definitely I, I would think it would be a successful junior day you know we didn't see or hear of any commits yet but it's it's one of those things where you're still putting the inroads in for these guys to come back in the summer for an official visit Wisconsin did really really well um with a really high hit rate last year when they had guys mm-hmm. coming in in the summer for official visits. So this is the type of things where you're really um, forging the relationships now so that when it comes to these kids wanting to make a decision before their senior year that they're willing to pull the trigger and, and want to become Badgers. Yeah, these impressions are very important. So it'll be interesting to see how, how those uh, recruiting you know guys in those battles, you know, think back to, you know, their first couple days on campus and then how they can, you know, hopefully weigh that decision. You know, these days are extremely important. So anything else you want to touch on football-wise? Otherwise, we'll wrap up another episode. A uh, c- couple more things. The the combine last time we, yep. we had talked about uh, Cephas because he was the only one who had participated at that point. You know, Zach Bond and Jonathan Taylor also down there uh, in Indianapolis and, and both did really well. I thought Jonathan Taylor – 
probably cemented himself as the RB1 up there and and kind of showed out why he is such a highly side after player and, and had so much success at Wisconsin. You know, he, he was really impressive with that 4-3-9 and then a 4-4-1 um, in back-to-back. And he also did a really nice job in the, the three-cone and in the shuttle. So he, he's the guy that made himself some money, I think, and, and silenced some of the doubters who have been present in his career. You know, I know you had you had uh, clapped back at some re- NFL recruit, Nick, who was uh, talking about how Jonathan Taylor was slow, and uh, he uh, definitely shut that up pretty quick. Yeah, he silenced that, uh, you know, immediately. And I, I was impressed. I, he ran faster than even I thought. And, you know, you and I, uh, we've we've seen Jonathan Taylor for years. We've known he's fast, but 4-3-9 was even faster than I expected to. And then Zach Bond, I also think, improved his stock uh, in a big way. I, the last draft projection I looked at was from Bleacher Report. It had Jonathan Taylor going to the first round, uh, I believe, to the Tennessee Titans, uh, late late uh, first round. Uh, I don't know how that will work with Derrick Henry there. Uh, but uh, but I, I think Jonathan Taylor cemented himself as uh, you know an early first round or a first round pick, maybe early second round. Uh, but not every guy, every not every team is willing to spend a high pick on running back. So it's it's kind of a position where you have to look for uh, that balance. But I, I, running a four three nine at two hundred and twenty pounds, you know, and throw, throwing his agility out there as well. If Jonathan Taylor has a solid pro day in Madison, I think. The sky's the limit for him as to where he can go, but he impressed everyone, and we we just continue to be impressed uh, by Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, especially because I mean, like you said, he he weighed 220 at Wisconsin, and he had an extra 10 pounds down there, and was running at 229. So for him to to do that is is definitely impressive. And you look at his numbers compared to some of the guys next to him. He was the second heaviest running back after AJ Dillon, and he he had uh, just a light years faster 40 than most of those guys. Um, outside of really Swift and Akers, who are kind of in the upper four fours. Yeah, he was impressive. He continues to be impressive, and I think uh, he's going to make a team that's looking for a running back uh, very happy. And it looks like maybe the Tennessee Titans. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that one with them wanting to bring back Derrick Henry, like I mentioned. But whoever Jonathan Taylor ends up with is going to be getting a great back that has speed, has size, does it all. So he's going to be. Uh, only improving his stock as he goes forward because he's he's a well-spoken kid, but he's also a freak athlete. So things are looking uh, even brighter for Jonathan Taylor after that combine down in Indianapolis. Yeah, and then you also, did you also see um, uh, John McNamara, really really talented uh, writer over at Badger Blitz. He had tweeted out about a potential wide receiver coach. Um, you know, he actually was with the Packers last year, Elvis Witted, as a guy to kind of keep an eye on. Did you happen to see his tweet about that? And, and what do you think he would bring? Yes, I did. I, he was, uh, Elvis Witted was formerly with the Packers, like you said, last year. And then before that was with Colorado State. Uh, I, I guess I don't really know much about him, but just given what the Packers had last year at the receiver position uh, is not necessarily concerning because Devontae Adams had a big year. Some other guys were underdeveloped, but I don't know if you can put that all on uh, a position coach at the NFL level. But he's a guy that's worked with some talented receivers in the past and uh, is familiar with the college-level game. And I think the biggest thing for me is I, I want a guy that's been familiar with the college game because we talked about Ted Gilmore already in a previous podcast when he left. He's going to be – uh, a guy that needs to step in and pick up the slack, uh, if it is indeed Elvis Witted, uh, like McNamara, too, it's it's not so much going to be about the position X's and O's. It's going to be about can this guy go into 
living rooms and recruit the way Ted Gilmore did because that's that's essentially how he got poached off to Michigan State was because of his abilities as a recruiter. So if this guy can, if, if Alvis Whitty can step in and do that, I'm all for it. Yeah, and I mean he's got some ties to the to the West Coast, being uh, that he coached at Colorado State for a long time and in UCLA, and uh, he, he's from North Carolina. I think him and John Settle could really tag team that area as they're both from you know the the Carolinas and and really work on that hard. Wisconsin's actually gotten a couple guys out of Carolina here recently with Gio Paez and Devin Chandler out of last year's class. So mm-hmm. um, maybe that's a place that they're trying to make some inroads at. Uh, he went to NC State and. Um, but I, I think anybody you can get who has a solid um, depth of experience, you know, I mean, you, you can't just play in the NFL for uh, a good amount of years. I think he played for like eight eight or nine years in the league and then go ahead and coach at a, uh, across the country and in the NFL and not know something, you know. So, yeah, I would think he'd be a guy that to possibly turn, turn to and would be a, a really – uh, good option, you know. Obviously, John just said he was somebody to to keep an eye on, um, so it's not uh, set in stone. But he is looking for a job here, so and it, the timing would make a lot of sense because they're they're going to need somebody here within the next week before uh, spring practices start on the tenth. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's looking for a job. The Badgers are looking for a receiver coach. So while it may not be confirmed, it looks like that could be a, a viable option for both sides. And anyone with 10 years of experience in the NFL and then years on top of that coaching uh, is going to have knowledge of the game and, and bring it to, to these you know these kids. So if you can get the recruiting uh, in line with that, it's a special hire, and I think that could be a, a successful uh, matchup for the Badgers. All right, guys, well, that wraps up another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. A little longer than usual, but there was a lot to touch on uh, in both the basketball side and the football side. So we'll be back with you guys later in the week. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, on Wisconsin.